Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Welcome tonight. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 10. We are walking through the Word of God, and uh, we're in Acts chapter 10, and each week we try to do one chapter. We don't do it justice because I can only get to two or three verses uh, simply because I like to hear myself talk. And uh, the more that I, you know, study and read, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, it, it just explodes. But every time we touch a chapter, we just consider that, that it was a great opportunity for God to speak to us from that chapter, and we'll do our best to move on to the next. And I hope you will take time to read the rest of the chapter so that you can find out all the other wonderful things that were going on at that point. Snapshots, if you will, of history, but also a roadmap for us. You know, the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, were not written just uh, for history's sake. They were written so that they would be a, a, a roadmap for us because we get instructions from them. So I'm, I'm trusting that we would take this opportunity to go to the Word and, and find a next step, we can always find out what God wants us to do in any situation. You know, you will never take something to God and, and, and hear Him say, well, I don't know what to do about that. You know, oh gosh, that's a new one. You'll never catch God unprepared for anything that you have done or anything that you are doing. God is always prepared. He's even prepared for uh, the things that you think might surprise him. They don't. He was prepared. He's ready. He always has an answer for us. You know, and so make sure that you take opportunity to go to the Word every day. To end up, uh, especially in times of need or crisis, find yourself in the Word of God and let God speak to you. Acts chapter 10, are you, are, are, are you finding it? Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, God's orchestra. And it fills in a whole lot. That's interesting. <laughs> we, this is the third one tonight. I'm, 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 I'm thinking, okay, everybody get, everybody get your phones out. Text somebody, okay? Right now. Text somebody and tell them God loves them. Come on, let's just all do it. Let's just all do it. Why not? Okay? Who can you, let's see. Oh, I don't, I don't have my phone with me. Uh, okay, text somebody if you get, you know, uh, who would you, who do you want to know God loves? Tell, tell somebody God loves you, okay? Why not? You know, mom, dad, brother, sister, okay? Let's just go ahead and show the devil. We're not afraid of anything like that, okay? Yeah. Just tell somebody God loves you. Okay. In fact, you can also encourage them to uh, turn to cotr.com and they can uh, watch live tonight and, uh, you know, get a good word from God. Why not? Okay. All right. While you're doing that on your phone, I'm going to go ahead. God's orchestra. It's going to figure in tonight. The word is going to figure in to exactly what we heard from Pastor Richard Vaughn. What Pastor Vaughn said was that God is so marvelous in his works. He puts things together. He works things behind the scenes. And what looks like a surprise to us is a plan to God. God creates these chains. And we are standing on someone else's shoulders, always connected to other people. And people who come after us will be standing on the things that we do. Isn't that great? I mean, the church is more powerful, more productive. It's going farther and faster. And it's doing more than it ever has 
in history. The church is alive and well. And it's alive and well because generations before have laid foundations. And we stand on those foundations. And we are leaving the church better than we found it. Okay? Whenever I leave planet Earth, the church will be better than it was when I was born. It'll be, it, it'll be bigger than it was when I was born. It'll be greater, more powerful, more productive. And that's all we can ask. All we can ask in life is that anything that we touch and anybody that we interact with, whether they like us or don't like us, whether they are like us or are absolutely not like us, that we left them better than we found them, okay? And that is often just because we lift up the truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, in Acts chapter 10, by the time we get to Acts chapter 10, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been well on its way around the world. You know, the last few weeks we've gone through, the, you know, chapter 1 through chapter 9, and we have seen the church is growing in power, growing in steam, growing in strength, and in stature. I mean, it's doing well. And, uh, you know, after Pentecost... When God poured his spirit out in Acts chapter 2 and, and 3,000 people were saved, I mean, these people, the Bible says, they were from, from nations all over the place. They were devout Jews from nations all under heaven. And when they left and went back home, they carried Jesus back with them. Can you imagine them getting back to their synagogue and saying, listen, we found Messiah and began to teach about Jesus of Nazareth as, 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 the, as, as the Messiah? I mean, the, the, the word of God, the gospel was spreading around the world that there was a Savior and faith in him can save your soul. Uh, but they were only preaching to Jews. And then in Acts chapter 7 and 8 with the stoning of Stephen, you know, uh, all of a sudden uh, we find that great persecution arose because of the stoning of Stephen and, and all of the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, um, all of the religious leaders. They, 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 they got really, uh, you know, um, empowered and they began to uh, wreak havoc on the church in great persecution and so people scattered and they went out into all Judea and Samaria the Bible says and they preached Jesus but again they only preached to Jews and so uh, you know we get to Acts you know chapter 9 last week and the apostle Paul is on his way to find Jews that are believers in Jesus. And he's headed toward Damascus and he gets gloriously saved, you know, and, and, uh, and then he begins to preach, but he preaches only to Jews. Well, Acts chapter 10 is where God is going to shine a first light on what he was always wanting. He was wanting to bring salvation through the Jews, but he was wanting also to take salvation to the Gentiles. And so this is where we're going to see one of the, uh, the, the first fulfillments, one of the initial fulfillments of what Jesus said, that you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. This is that initial biblical fulfillment of the uttermost parts of the world. Because now this guy that we're going to read about in Acts chapter 10 is going to get saved, and he's a Gentile. And it's going to shock people and perplex people confuse them and confuse their doctrine and God is going to parlay that through generations to me and you sitting here okay that's why we're here Acts 10 opened a door for us to be included in the message that that Peter and James and John and, and everybody else imagined was a Jew thing that you had to be a Jew to be a Christian okay well that's what we're going to read about in, in, in Acts chapter 10. And, uh, to, to, you know, tonight I hope to conclude uh, under, with us understanding what does it take in order for God to choose us? 
What, what, what can we do so that God might choose us to use us? Okay? Now, he's going to love us whether he, whether he uses us or not. Okay? If you're one of his children, he's going to love you, you know, you know, regardless of how bad you are. But most of his children really want to be used by him. Most of his children really do want to please him. Some of them are having a little trouble with that from time to time. Okay? But let God deal with his children. But I want to be a child that he's happy with. And I want him to choose me. I want him to use me. What can I do? What kind of person should I be? How does God know if he can trust me? How does God know if he can use me? How can I present myself as, as usable to God? Well, we'll find out tonight, hopefully, all right, in the next few moments. Acts chapter 10, reading from the New King James Version, verse 1. Uh, there was a certain man in Caesarea. Uh, now, uh, listen, Caesarea, beautiful place, okay? Beautiful place. Some of you have been there with me. A lot of you have traveled with me to Israel. But uh, coming up this next year, I know our trip's already full. We have people on the waiting list. You know, we only had 50 spots. We have people on the waiting list. But, uh, but my, my goodness, you know, if, if you don't get to go on that one, you see me, I'll take you on another one, all right? Because Caesarea, these, these places come alive. They just come alive. The Bible comes alive. And there was a man living in Caesarea. It was a, it, it was a relatively mid-sized port city on the Mediterranean. Beautiful. The, 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 the remains, the archaeological uh, sites are still there. And this man in Caesarea, his name was Cornelius. He was a centurion of what is called the Italian band. Now, now. We don't want to brush over anything in the Bible as though it was not an important part of what God is saying. You know, every jot, every tittle, every line that is crossed, every little, you know, highlight of a word means something to God. His word is perfect. And so we don't want to just pass too quickly over this first verse because it just says this man named Cornelius lived in Caesarea and he was from an Italian band and he was, uh, you know, in charge of a hundred soldiers. That's what it basically says. Cornelius... You know, he's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. Why is a Gentile showing up as important here in, the, in, in this word right here? You know, he, he's, he's evidently as well uh, uh, um, an Italian Roman soldier living in a foreign country, not in his own country, living in, 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 in Israel, living in Caesarea. And uh, um, he was well into his military career because he was already a commander of a hundred men. These hundred soldiers who were also of an Italian regiment and and he was uh, you know uh, he rose in rank that's what you did in the Roman army it was one way to gain citizenship after your 20 years of service you would be given some land and being given citizenship and so he may be nearing the end of his of, of, of his tour most likely um, most of the time people were sent to one place unless there were battles but they were sent to one place and stayed there for 20 years and then sent back home so he's probably getting almost ready to rotate back home and and and, and we know he's been a good guy because he's you know, he, he's, he's, you know, excelled. He is not only commander of a hundred men, but because of the size of this port city, he may be the only security that this very important Mediterranean port city of the Roman Empire has. He may be in charge of all the security and in charge of taking care of all of the, of the you know, the, the high important people that come through here. Well, uh, uh, how did Cornelius get into this position? 
How did he become a centurion? How did he get to be a commander? How did he get to be here where he's even going to be in the Bible? What's going on? Uh, well, you know, uh, let me just suffice it to say, to begin with, that, 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 that it's God. Like, like Pastor Vaughn said earlier, you know, God, like, like, like my, my sermon title, God orchestrates things according to his own plan. Cornelius is not just a coincidence. Coinc uh, you know, he, he's, he's not just a happenstance. He's a plan of God. This is God's plan. God had been working on this not just for generations and millennia, but he had worked on this before the foundation of the world. That's how God, that's, how, that, that, that's what a master plan God has, not only for Cornelius, but for you and for me. We are a part of God's master plan. We are, and we cannot deny it. Here is just very well, you know, uh, we know Cornelius did his job well because he was promoted all the way up to commander, to centurion. And, um, you know, no doubt this is orchestrated by God's hand. You know, uh, uh, it's a part of his master plan. You know, anything that we see in the Bible or in our lives that advances the kingdom of God, I guarantee you God has a hand in it. And you can't get just a little bit of God. When God does something, all of God is there. When God, when, when, when God decides he wants something or when God gets into somebody's life or when God begins to move somebody's life, all of God is there and he's doing it with everything he has. We are, we are more than pawns. We are children, but we are, we, we, we are ambassadors. We are a peculiar people, a, a, a holy nation. We are a generation of those that are, that, that are called and set in by God. And many times, like Cornelius, we don't even know it, aren't even aware of it. You know, we may not be aware of how much God is working or has worked in our life. Like most people, Cornelius was totally unaware of how much he was worth to God, of his place in history. You know, Acts just tells a very small part of what's going on. And Acts, you know, is just a part of, of you know, of about 40 years, a little less than 40 years of, 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 of what went on in one place, in one time, to one group of people. That's all it is. And so, uh, you know, can you imagine the magnitude if everything was written and all the things that God is doing and has done? I mean, somewhere your name and my name would be there and we would be totally shocked, surprised. We would be flabbergasted at what God did in order to bring us to salvation and then how he used us to affect other people and other people and other people and how that turned out, you know, uh, to us sitting here from Cornelius. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. Uh, but how does a person know, get to where Cornelius was? Cornelius was right where God wanted him. He was the perfect person in the perfect place at the perfect time. How do you get there? How do you do that? How do you put yourself or how do you help yourself be the kind of person that God would choose? Because there were a lot of Gentiles. There were a lot of military people. There, 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 there were a lot of praying people. There were a lot of giving people during this time. But why Cornelius? You know, God chose him and wrote his testimony in here so that we too could use this to understand what God is looking for in the life of one of his children or, or, or someone that he wants to bring to Christ. What is God looking for in the people that he chooses to use? Well, you know, what is the normal course that God takes to lead people to their perfect place to embrace his will? What does it take to hit those important waypoints? As a pilot, if I'm going to fly from here to Montreal, I don't fly straight from here to Montreal. I hit waypoints along the way. And every time I get to one, I check to make sure that I'm on course and I'm there. Then I fly to the next one and fly to the next one and fly to the next one. You know, that's the way life is. How can we make sure that we hit those certain waypoints 
along our journey to destiny to make sure that we are on course and that we're, we're, we're where God wants us. Uh, what does it take? You see, it is God that promotes people. God sets one up and he takes another one down. He sets us in the body as it pleases him. He calls us according to his plan, not our plan. And, you know, everyday ordinary life is, is the chance that God gives us to impress him. He's going to love us whether we impress him or not. But everyday ordinary life is the chance that we have to impress God. Because God chooses people out of obscurity, out of everyday ordinary life. He doesn't, you know, uh, he just does. He chooses greatness out of obscurity. And God will love us whatever we do, but he may have a hard time promoting us if we don't present ourselves well and act right. Amen. He may have a hard time. I mean, you'll have a hard time getting a job if you don't act right. You have a hard time keeping a job. And, and God's job is no easier. God does not have an easy job. His job is hard. You might say, what do you mean it's hard? You're all he has to work with. He's trying to get you to do his will every day. You, you walk around lost people, hurt people, broken people all day long that God loves and wants to reach out to. But it's hard for him to get you to do that. You probably have a Bible on your phone carrying around with you all day long. But it's kind of hard for him to get you to go there so he can tell you something. You know? I mean, come on. We're all he has. His job's not easy. There's no doubt that Cornelius had been called by God. He's, he's, a, he's a man of destiny. He doesn't know it. But there's no doubt that God has called him. In fact, God called him even before he was born. Before the foundation of the world, you know, we were in Christ. You know, God knew the, knew the end from the beginning. He knew my life. He knew what David had done, was doing, and was going to do before he ever made him king. Wow. He loves us. But I want to be used by him. Uh, Cornelius, you know, like, like Jeremiah, you know. God told Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I had already decided what I was going to do with you, boy. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I had already sanctified you and ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Wow. Great news, you know, for Jeremiah. But we must remember that just because Jeremiah was called didn't mean it was a sure thing because many are called but few are chosen. The difference between being called and being chosen is many times are we willing to act right, be prepared, be promotable, be presentable, and actually end up being in a place where God will choose to use us, not just call us. I mean, God's calling everybody. Everybody is called. But are we able and willing to be used in that day that God needs to choose somebody? Well, Cornelius was. What makes a person a good choice for God? Why was Cornelius chosen? You can get the rest of my tape for $29.95. Well, we cannot know all the reasons. And God is much bigger than anything we could figure out anyway. But he did leave us some breadcrumbs. He did leave us enough. He did not leave us without a witness. He never does. And when we find a witness in the Word of God, 
we find that it must agree with all the other things, all the other people. You know, I mean, in the mouth of two or three, or two or three hundred in this case, we can see the same thread woven through lives that God chose to use. This is, this is a, a, a very good pattern. You see, God knows us better than we know ourselves. You know, um, God chose people because he knows them. He knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah was ever conceived. He, he knew Cornelius before Cornelius, you know, ever became a soldier. Before Cornelius, you know, he knew what Cornelius would do. He knew what, what Saul of Tarsus would do. He knew what Abraham would do. You know, look with me in Genesis 18, verse 19, for example. You know, why did God choose Abraham? For I know him. I know what he's going to do, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. I know him. I know he's faithful. I know what he'll do if I choose him, if I use him. I already know what his outcome is. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows what we will do with the chances we are given. And he directs us according to his will, not according to our own aspirations, not according to our own, you know, uh, 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 appetites, but according to his will. We have our own ideas of what we want to do. Abraham did. Everybody does. You know, Jeremiah did. Ezekiel did. Moses did. Saul did. You know, Cornelius did. We have our own ideas of what we want to do. And the next thing, you know, Cornelius was probably looking forward to retirement. I can imagine that kind of, you know, threw a little wrench in his, in, in, in his system because he probably became that, 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 you know, baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. You know, I mean, read the rest of the chapter, Acts 44 through 48. And the Holy Ghost fell upon them as it was in the beginning. And, and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. And Cornelius and his whole household were saved. And then they were water baptized. And he took that back to Italy. Yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, anyone that is called, you know, it, it, it is wholly possible that Jeremiah and Abraham and even Cornelius felt, they, they probably felt, in fact, the Bible tells us they felt the same way that Moses felt when God said, I'm choosing you, Moses. You know, uh, uh, Jeremiah said this after the God, you know, in, in, in verse 6 and, and, and 7. He said, ah, Lord, uh, you know, uh, you know um, no, no, thank you. Before, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I had called you and sanctified you and ordained you. I, the Lord God, have called you from your mother's womb. Mm, no, thanks. I'm not a real good speaker. <laughs> but I'm God. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm a youth. I'm young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I can't do it. <laughs> Dad gummit, <laughs> I'm going to do it through you. I'm calling you. I'm choosing you. Because there's a quality in you that I can use. Well, you know, Moses said it this way. When God showed up to him in the burning bush and, you know, spoke to him and said, I'm going to use you. And, and Moses said, oh, nah, you know, I'm, I'm going to use you, Moses. Oh, no. I'm, Moses, I'm going to use you. Now you do this. You throw that rod down and you pick that rod up and, and you put your hand in your, and, and see all the miracles I can do? I'm going to do this through you. I'm going to deliver my people. And after it was all said and done in Exodus 4 verse 10, then Moses said to the Lord, mm, oh God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not eloquent and uh, I, I'm not any different 
before you spoke to me or since you spoke to me. I'm the same guy. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but you know, what you're saying hasn't changed how I feel about me being unable to do what you have called me to do. I'm slow of speech, slow of tongue. I mean, he just kept on and kept on and kept on. And we're no different after God speaks to us than we were before. But there's something, some quality in us that God wants to use. And he chooses a certain kind of people. Evidently, he chooses the people that aren't full of pride, aren't full of themselves, and don't even imagine they can do what he's called them to do. Evidently, that's one good common thread. He kind of resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He gives ability to people who don't think that, who, who, who don't feel worthy. And understand that what you're calling me to do is a holy thing. And my goodness, I don't know that I can do this. But for those people who are saying, oh, I'm not doing it. Let me up there. I want to be up there. You know, he kind of resists that. You know, uh, you can see it through, you know, such was Diotrephes. I can go on and on and on. Uh, you, know, uh, uh, um, you know, Simon the Sorcerer. On and on and on with people who, who, who said, I can do this. You know, just give me a chance. I, you know, and, uh, no. Uh, it's the people that are, that are uh, you know, humble and, and didn't know they were going to be chosen, didn't know they were going to be called, didn't know that, it, that at 15 years old, you know, they're going to hear a message and all of a sudden stand up and say, that's me, you know? Paul told Timothy, listen, Timothy, don't you believe that you're too young? He said, let no man despise your youth, but rather be an example to the believers in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. Listen, you're not too young to be an example. Evidently, Timothy was wrestling with, you know, can I do what God has called me to do? You know, uh, uh, you know perhaps Cornelius experienced something like Saul of Tarsus experienced. You know, uh, in... In the chapter just last week, you know, uh, Saul had such a dy dynamic encounter uh, with God, and it shocked him. But God chose Saul of Tarsus for one reason. It's because Saul was very committed to what he believed. That was something that God kind of likes. I mean, he was committed. You know, like Moses was pretty committed to what he believed. You know, I mean, he, he, he killed the, the, the Egyptian. And, you know, I mean, he was, he was pretty committed to what he... Now, didn't mean he was believing right. Didn't mean Saul was believing right. But there's something that God likes about either being hot or cold. There's something God likes about seeing somebody that's committed. Even if you're wrong, he'd rather see you committed than uncommitted. He'd rather see you living what you believe, being hot or cold, just exactly what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15. If you're going to serve the gods on the other side, that you serve them. But me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Make a decision. Decide what we're going to do. Commit to it and stick to it. You know, God's not afraid of you not believing in him. He's afraid that if you do believe and act like you don't, that everybody's going to figure that's Christianity. Oh, this is good preaching. These men and women that we see as giants of faith in the Bible, they weren't politicking. They weren't campaigning. They weren't selling themselves or seeking public support. They were simply servants called by God and sent on a mission that they didn't know how they were going to do it, how it was going to happen, why me, what's going on, I don't know if I'm going to be successful, I don't know where I'm headed. Abraham went out to a place and didn't even know where he was going, the Bible says, but he went out because he was being led by God, and he went to a foreign place, and, 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 and he faithfully served God, and you know, uh, 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 you know, God finds people that are busy. He found Saul. He found David. He found Moses when they were busy doing something in life. They weren't sitting around saying, oh, which God choose me? 
waiting. No, I'm waiting on God. You know, he found somebody that was, that was figuring they were already in the place that was the best they were ever going to be. And they were going to make it as good as they could right where they were. That's, that, that, that's how Joseph did. Whenever he was in Potiphar's house, whenever he was a slave, whenever he was in, 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 you know, in, 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 in the pit, whenever he was uh, in prison, whenever he was in the palace, he figured this is the best it's ever going to get. And I'm going to be content and I'm going to be committed and I'm going to be the best you know, prisoner that this place has ever had. And he became, you know, a, a, one of the trustees. Whenever we realize that life is the chance God gives us every day, ordinary, day in and day out, humdrum, life, being committed and content and working hard in life, life is the chance God gives us to impress him. How are you going to handle where you are? Not are you, how are you going to just sit around looking for something else or someone else or somewhere else and, and you know... <laughs> Never, never being happy. Do you know, if you're not happy and content and working where you are, you won't be happy and content and working anywhere you go. Your next marriage is going to look just like your last one. If it's up to you, you are going to be the same as you were. Now, if you worked hard and somebody else bailed on you, well, you'll work hard in your next one. But if you just skated and didn't do what you should have done in your last one, you know, most likely that's what people should expect you to do in your next one until they see you working hard in life, until they see change. I don't know where I got into that, Wendy, but I sure would like to get out. <laughs> how you worked at your last job is how you work on your next job. Now, you can't help it if, if, if the company bellied up, or you can't help it if you work for a person that, that, that didn't like you and fired you. You can't help that. But how you worked and how you felt and your attitude and your gratitude in your last job is what is going to be on your next one. God knows that. That's why he reaches in to people's lives like David, who didn't even care if he was invited to the party. He wasn't looking to be, you know, shepherd of the month. Hello? All of his brothers were invited to the party and, 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 you know, and they were going to choose a new king and the prophet was there. David was out on the backside of the desert tending a few sheep. He was busy, engaged in life. He wasn't trying to impress Samuel. He wasn't trying to impress his daddy. He wasn't trying to impress his brothers. He was out killing bears and lions when nobody knew it. And that's the reason he could kill Goliath. Goliath wasn't his first fight. It was just his first public showing. God called him out of obscurity because he had been faithful in the backside of the desert with a few sheep. And, and Jesus said, how you act or when, when, when you're dealing with somebody else's stuff is how you'll act if I give you your own. And if you're faithful over a little, you'll be faithful over more. Yeah. And if you're unfaithful in a little, you'll be unfaithful in much. Don't think that whenever I give you a million dollars, you'll start tithing. You won't. What you're doing with the money you have in your pocket is what you will do with more. That's what Jesus said. Okay, back to Cornelius. Acts 10. I, I, we only got to verse 1 so far. Um, and, I, and I didn't finish with it, okay? Let me make sure you understand the threads. We should be working hard, committed and content with where we are. Not just waiting to win the lottery to get somewhere else with somebody else doing something else before we do what 
we should do where we are. Life, everyday life, is the chance we have to impress God. And God chooses people who are great in their ordinary. He chooses them for extraordinary things. We don't get to choose many times what we go through. But we can choose how we go through it. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion what was of, of what was called the Italian band. A devout man, one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. I'll encapsulate what he said. I'm choosing you, Cornelius. I'm choosing you. If Cornelius could have heard the, the full story, God would have told him, I, I chose you a long time ago and I've been watching you. You've been faithful, Cornelius. I've had my hand on you. That's why you've been promoted. I've been watching you. You're doing good. I want you to be an ambassador for me. And Cornelius, your name is going to be spoken in churches and in homes and in Bible studies all over the world in languages you cannot imagine. You're going to lead so many people to have hope and faith that their sons and daughters and servants can be born again because of your influence. You're going to teach people that I'm listening to the prayers, even the prayers of those who don't really know me, but want to know me. I'll send angels on assignment. I'll send my best servants to show you the way. I'll fill you with my own power, even if people around you, in this case all the Jews, imagine you're not worthy. And it doesn't fit their doctrine that I'm going to use you. I'll use you anyway. You've impressed me, Cornelius. You're the kind of man that I believe can go through the fire and not be burned. You can endure hardship as a good soldier. I've watched what you've done in your military service. You know, I think I can count on you to do the same for me. I've watched how you have had influence with your children and with your employees, I think I can depend on you to influence them for me. I think if I can introduce myself to you as Almighty God, if I can fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit, I think you will influence so many others. That's why I'm choosing you. You're not lazy. You're not crazy. You're not sitting around waiting on something better. You're doing great with what you have. I know you're in a foreign country. I know you've probably been away from home for 20 years. But you've done faithful like Joseph, like Moses. I think you'll give your life to me like you made a commitment to your job, to your family, to your friends. That's why I'm showing up in my power, Cornelius.
I choose you. You've impressed me. That's what Jesus said about that soldier that came to him and said, if you'll speak the word only, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus marveled. It impressed Jesus. He marveled at his faith. You've impressed me, he said. And for that reason, I'm going to heal your servant. Are we impressing him with our everyday life? Or are we just complaining about the prison we're in, the foreign country, the, the job we don't like, having to be away from home? You know, come on, let's be content. Let's be committed. And let's do what our hands find to do. Like the Bible says, as though we were doing it for the Lord. Amen.